We are going to take a look at Genesis. Big picture of Genesis. Genesis establishes, number one, the existence, the power, and the goodness of God. You like that? God exists. God is powerful, and God is good. And then, also, it establishes God's special dealings with the nation of Israel first, and his intention to develop relationship with you and I. You like that? That's the kind of God we have. And from the very beginning, that book of Genesis establishes that already. And I like that. Here is the outline of the book of Genesis. Um, it, it involves four great events and four great people. It's divided into um, from creation all the way up to Joseph. Um, and we have already covered creation and the fall. And in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what happened to my uh, slide, uh, Pastor? <laughs> huh? No, the, it went out of... Uh, anyway, um, the first part is we've learned um, the topics on standing in awe of God because our God is our, is our creator. We learn how to honor our God, and we said that we will follow his instructions. And also, at the same time, when we got into chapter 3, when sin came into the world, we talked about assuming responsibility. And in there, we learn about disobedience and sin having consequences. I'm reviewing what we have covered so far. At the same time, in Genesis chapter 3, we talked about Cain and Abel. And we talked about what to give God. And we said we have to give our best to God, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And today, we're going to talk about uh, the flood. The flood. What was the flood for? What can Christians learn from it? So much, so much can be learned from this episode and this chapter of, of, of Genesis. And I would like us to understand that God has plans for us. And this morning, I would like to talk about that. And it's all about heeding God's warnings. And not just heeding God's warning, but seriously heed God's warning. Seriously heed God's warning. I'd like us to stand up to read scriptures, please. We will read from Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 up to 22. And let's read this loud, please, beginning from verse 1. Now it came about. men were of old, men of renown, and the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart, and the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made him. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became a father of three sons. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted the way upon the earth. Set the ark of God the world. You shall make the ark of rooms and 
shall cover the inside. To destroy all flesh in which the breath of life from under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind in the ark. Keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. As for you, take for yourself all, all the food which is edible and gather it to yourself, and it shall be good for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded he did. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. And may this word, Lord, use this word to speak to us and change us. Reveal to us even more who you are and how we ought to deal with your word Believe your word and obey your word. Lord, apart from your spirit, we are nothing. We can't do, we can't advance even in our Christian life. So we pray, Lord, that you be the one to impress upon our hearts what you want us to do today to change our lives. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, my question is this. Noah's Ark and the great flood that destroyed all living things on earth. Is that a fact or a myth? Uh, only this person is convinced, okay? The others don't know. Noah and the family building the ark, a big ark, eight people building the ark, a fact or a myth? getting louder, getting louder, because the more I hear the word fact, I want to be convinced that you guys believe in the word of God. All living species marching into the ark, lining one after another, fact or myth? Oh, who was that? Very good, Cleveland. Okay. The deadly huge flood itself, killing everything, drowning everybody. Fact or myth? <laughs> Stories about the flood indicate that this flood really happened. Okay? You see, the Bible is true. But many people say, oh, that's fantasy. You know, if you, if you watch television and you will hear these stand-up comedians, they will really laugh at uh, the story about Noah. And you know, can you imagine Noah standing and all of the animals are passing, all of the ferocious animals just going into the ark? That's fantasy. They can't believe that's going to happen. And the flood, the stories about the flood reveal that it is a fact. 95% of the stories about the flood says it happened worldwide. 88% of the stories says a certain family was favored. 70% of the stories reveal that survival was, a means, was, was by means of a boat because there was a huge flood. 67% of the stories says animals were also saved. 66% said that the flood was due to the wickedness of man. And 66% says survivors have been warned. They were told beforehand if that's going to happen. And then 57% said that the, 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 the boat ended up in a mountain. So there were so many stories, and they were consistent. So that tells you that this is a real uh, historical fact that happened. Even the, one of the most ancient civilization, the Chinese civilization, um, they have a word for boat. Okay, I would like to ask Tony Ong to read this okay, for us, because he's the Chinese, okay? Uh, is this true, Tony? This is the word for boat in Chinese. And you know what it means? I don't. <laughs> See, this part, that part of the, the word says it's a ship. Okay, this is for the boat. And this part says there's eight people, uh, there are eight persons in a boat. What does that tell you? 
Noah's Ark, right? How many people were in the boat with Noah? Seven. Seven. <laughs> Don't know how to count. They were all eight, okay? Okay, another Chinese word. Another Chinese word for flood. Okay, this is another Chinese word for flood. Sharon, is this correct? Where's Sharon? Oh, there, right? There. Uh, that picture says water. And that picture says total. Total what? Total together. And then there's earth. And then there's eight people again. Can you read this word in Chinese? Huh? The number eight you can read because of Majong, right? Okay. This guy. You know this word in Chinese? It's Baha. Okay. Lubog. Undui. Tama ba, Tony? Sorry, ah. You know, even the most ancient civilization talks about the flood. And this tells you that that was a real factual episode in history that we should believe. Now, many other things point to the, the, the historicity of the, and the fact of the Great Flood. Look at this. Over the continents, there are fossils of sea creatures high above sea levels. How is that possible? If you go to the Grand Canyon, there you will discover what? Marine deposits, fossils. How on earth did they get there? Did somebody gather them and bring them up there and spend some time really uh, developing that, 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 that whole thing to just make people wonder? Of course not. Nature brought it there. And the flood, only the flood will explain that, right? Uh, marine fossils found in the Himalayas, Mount Everest. And they look like this when you take a close, closer look at it. How on earth did they get there? Only one thing points to it. The fact that the flood happened, happened. And then, sorry, how about this? Folded, layered, sedimentary formations. How on earth were they formed? You know, do you see the picture? Do you see how big the people are? Do you see the people? They're standing at the bottom. Can you picture that? And on top of them, these are what? Formations of layered, curving, folded, sedimentary formations. How on earth were they formed? You know, they were formed only because of what? After the flood, the sediments settled down, and because they settled down in different formations, they stayed there. And when the water disappeared and they dried up, they remained that way. Because if you try to do this manually, when the earth is dry, you won't be able to do it because it will break, right? So this tells you that this is the work of the flood. What about this? Rapid burial of animals. Did you know? A mother, this is a mother, I don't even know how to pronounce this. A mother, 555 sardines giving birth, okay? <laughs> right? Giving birth, you see that? That is the baby going out, right? Now, how was this captured? And how was it that this did not materialize completely? Because they were rapidly buried. And that will only be explained because the flood did it. All right? What else? Rapid burial of animals, Ashley beds. You will see many, many more evidences that, that that flood really happened indeed. Now, where did the flood waters come from? Genesis 7 verse 11 says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep, okay, deep below, burst open. And the floodgates of the sky up were open. So there is water from beneath and there's water from above. Today, where is water coming from? Only from above, right? But before then, this was what was happening. And believe me, the water canopy concept of the world then, the reality then, is the only thing that will explain that. Water canopy means the structure of the world then was there was water beneath and there was water around the globe, okay? It's like a greenhouse effect, you know what I'm saying? So, um, when God said there will be flood, the water from above burst and it started to fall, but the water beneath also started coming out. That was what 
happened and it's a fact. What about this? Declining post-flood longevity. Did you know that people before the flood lived very long? Right? If you want to live long today, what is the formula? Honor your father and your mother. Right? <laughs> Children, your Tito Oscar is 450. Okay? Do you want to live longer? I look at my son and I look at my daughter right now. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother and you will live long on earth. Okay? I look at you young people. Honor your father and your mother and you will live long on earth. Sophia. Okay? Look, did you know that people before the flood lived longer, 900 years plus? And after the flood, longevity started to go down. Why? Because the environment changed. The water canopy that was supposed to be protective of the, the sun penetrating the earth was removed. And therefore, ultraviolet rays started to come in and affected the environment. That's why today, the lifespan is only like 70 years old. Okay, Romy, you're 65. You only have five years left, okay? <laughs> I am 62, okay, and I have eight years left. So I will speak and speak for the next eight years because you will miss me. Jesus referred to the flood as a historical fact. Even Jesus referred to it as a historical fact. So if you're here today, and you're one of those guys who says, ah, that flood is just a fantasy. It never happened. I would like you to consider the, consider the, 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 the significance of having this as a fact. Because if you see the flood as a fact, it will change your perspective in your Christian life. Even Jesus referred to it as a fact. In Matthew 24, 38 to 39, he said, For as in those days before the flood, okay, he referred to the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. Jesus was referring to a historical fact, right? And this was at the time of Jesus, meaning that flood really happened. Noah's ark and the deadly flood are historical facts, not fiction. Why? To help us. Help us in what? Number one, to establish indeed that the Bible is God's word of truth. If there's one thing that you have to hang on to, it is the Bible. This morning, a lady handed me a card, okay? A card which says that ignore the Bible and just, just focus on the church because the church is bigger than the Bible. Uh-oh. I said, you know what? Tear that away. These are all people spreading false truths about the Bible. And this is Satan distributing lies and lies to discredit God. Okay? So, once we establish the truth of this, this amazingly, seemingly fantastic story of the Bible about the flood, we will indeed be able to establish that the Bible is God's word of the truth versus the devil's lie. Number two, show unbelieving people that God is almighty. And he means what he says and that they that we should believe that the unbelievers should believe and follow him you believe and follow god right no problem but you know we need to be able to explain this account to people because most people will say this is not true it's fantasy but the moment we succeed in telling people how true this bible is the people will see that god is great god is almighty and we should believe him know him and believe him and then finally more importantly for us, we need to heed God's warning. Seriously. We need to know that sin or disobedience has deadly consequences. I will repeat, you and I need to know that sin and disobedience have deadly consequences. And we cannot ignore them. So, the killer flood. Historical fact, not fiction. It is simply a consequence of God's, not, of God's warning not heeded. The moment you don't heed God's warning, you're dead. So this morning, I would like us to talk about heed God's warning and seriously heed God's warning. What is a warning? What is it for? Have you been warned in your life before? 
Yes or no? Yeah? You know, it depends on who's giving the warning, right? If somebody who loves you gives you the warning, you listen. But if the one giving you the warning is your enemy, you better not listen. Right? Like my fellow golfers, okay? I give them a warning all the time, and they hate me for it. Before they stand up, they look at the water, and I tell them, hey, there's big water there. And your, water, your ball will fall inside that water. They hate me for giving them warnings. You know, because they think I'm their enemy. I'm confusing them, they say. Okay? You know, warnings are good. Warnings are good. What's a warning? Something that gives notice, advice, or intimation to a person or group. About what? About a danger, impending evil, or possible harm, or something else unfavorable. Make sense? Warning is all about being made alert about a certain danger ahead of you and or, or a certain consequence that you should be aware of in case you're missing it. George, I warn you. Maribik, be careful. Okay. So, God's warning to man in Noah's time. What was God's warning to man in Noah's time? This was it. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. You know, many people who don't know God, and I think this is true of all young people. Young people have this, what you call, doubt syndrome, as far as God is concerned. Okay? Uh, why did God create a flood? You know? Why did God make sickness? Okay? You see, you have to understand that God is both good and holy. God is not just one aspect, okay? And God did not create this thing just for the sake of showing us that he is a KJ, you know? God wants people because at the same time, God is good. He wants people to know that he cares for them. That's why he wants them. But if he doesn't, but if people do not listen to him, what does he do? He has to do his part and punish people who disobey because God is holy. Okay? You have to understand. You, have, you, can't, you can't confuse these two. God is good. Therefore, if God is good, he cannot create an earthquake. He cannot create cancer. He cannot create... No, 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 no. Okay? You know, you have to understand both of these things. God is good. At the same time, God is holy and God is just. So, whether you get one or the other depends on who and how you react to these truths and principles before you. So, this was the warning. Behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, the word saw, it, it, it gives the impression that God accidentally saw. Uy! What are you doing? You're evil, huh? No, no, no. God has always been seeing things. God sees everything because God is God. And, you know, he sees that man, after the fall, has continually put in his heart evil and is continually evil. And folks, don't be surprised. That's, that's who we were. That's, that's why many times we fall back. You know, God, God saved us. God wants us to change what... Aren't you surprised you find yourself, you know, going back to where you used to be? Because as human beings, our hearts continually think about our fallen nature and evil. And then, verse 6, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. You know, this word sorry is not the kind of sorry, oops, I made a mistake, huh? I made man. No, no, it's not that kind of sorry. It's the kind of sorry that... that the kind, of, the kind of being sorry that a father has or a parent has for his children if their children are not well, are not doing good in spite of all of the warnings. You understand what I'm saying? The parents, God is like grieved because his, his, his creation has turned out to be different from what he intended. Now, what exactly did God see as wicked and continuing evil? Verse 1 and 2 of Genesis 6 says that. Now it came about when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that daughters of men were beautiful. They took wives for themselves whomever they choose. Do you see 
Do you see how ugly this picture is? Now, you know, I don't have the time to explain the sons of God. I, I, I can explain that later on, but some people say that these are angels who intermarried with man, but that's not the point. The point is what they have been doing is not, is not right. It's evil. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, verse 11 and 12, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. What's going on? There's deterioration. There's evil. There's, the, there's, there's wanton wickedness all over the place. And God is not about to say, I'm not going to let this continue. God said, enough. I want to do something about this. God punishes because God is holy and just. God imposes penalties for disobedience because he is holy and he is just. In Genesis 6.13, then God said to Noah, Finally, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. That was the warning. But because God is also good and gracious, what does he do? He saves the righteous and the blameless at the same time. In other words, he sees the evil, he punishes them, but at the same time, he sees what? The righteous and the blameless, and he takes care of them. And I like that. In Genesis 6, 9, it says, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. Okay? He provides deliverance for the people who are righteous and blameless, like Noah. Genesis 6, 14 to 20. He said, Noah, I will destroy the earth, all the people there, except you, because you're righteous and blameless. What do you do? Here's what you should do. I will deliver you. Make for yourself an ark of copper wood. You shall make ark with rooms, shall cover it inside and out with peach. This is how you shall make it, the length 300 cubits, breadth 50 cubits, height 30 cubits. And of course, with deliverance is the promise, a promise. Every time God promises uh, or he says he will deliver you, it is based on a promise and a covenant. In verse 17, behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the bread of life from under heaven Everything that is on earth shall perish. But look at this promise and covenant. But I will establish my covenant with you. You shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife, your sons' wives and you and everything living and all flesh. And with a promise covenant, instructions to obey. Okay? You know, God is, God is very thorough. He takes care of you. He gives you a covenant, but he doesn't stop there. He gives you instructions to obey. And here is the instruction that he gave Noah. You shall bring two of every kind into the ark, keep them alive with you, and they shall be male, female, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. So, and with the warning, the promise of deliverance and instructions to obey, what happened? Of course, Noah obeyed. Verse 22, Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. What happened? What was the result? Noah and the family were saved, right? We know the story. Mankind and all other living beings preserved. Now, how did they live? How were they saved? Because they heeded God's warning. Simple. Can you imagine if they did not obey? Can you imagine if they did not heed the warning of God, even Noah? God naman eh. What flood are you talking about? I haven't even seen a rain. Can you imagine if, he did, if, if they did not heed God's warning? You see, they, they, they obeyed all of God's instruction even though the odds were against them. You understand what I'm saying? They obeyed everything that God instructed, even though the odds were against them. They had faith in the promises of God. That's how they were saved. They, hit, they, they, they were heeding, they heeded God's warning, but on top of heeding God's warning, 
They obeyed because they had faith in the promises of God. So this morning, again, I would like you to talk to, to tell to your neighbor, heed God's warning. Come on, tell each other, heed God's warning. Seriously, heed God's warning, okay? Seriously, heed God's warning. Don't take God's warning for granted. God keeps giving us warning. What do we do? How do we heed God's warning? Have faith in God's word. Obey all that God commands. Uh-oh, there you go again. Uh-oh, okay? No wonder it's always part of the Great Commission, teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded us. That's part of it. If you want to heed God's warning and you want to avoid disaster in your life, the consequences of all of your disobediences and sin, it's very simple. Have faith in God's word. Obey all that God has commanded. And here, I'm going to explain what faith is. Because many of us know that word, but many of us just cannot grasp it to live it. Genuine faith will save those who heed God's warning. What is genuine saving faith? Uh, I believe in God. Yeah. What about God? Basta. I trust God. You know, please. Beginning today, I would like you to understand this definition of faith. And I would like you to live it out in such a way that you will heed God's warning seriously to avoid disaster or floods or fires or whatever that you will be facing in your life because of your disobedience. Faith. And this is the definition of faith. A practical, working definition of faith. Knowing God's word, that's based on Romans 10, 17, and being a doer of it. It's not enough to know God's word. Today you will know God's word. But as you go out of this place, will you obey God's word? Hmm. So the, if you say you are a man of faith, you have to do both. You have to know God's word. Don't stop there. Be a doer of it. James 1, 21 to 22 is the basis. In spite of the unfavorable and adverse circumstances that you are facing as a result of this faith. Romans 10, 17, what does it say? So then, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to be faithful, you want, to become, you want your faith to grow, you have to know God's word. Without God's word, your faith will not grow. That's why, number one, knowing God's word, the Romans 10, 17, and then being a doer of it, James 1, 22 to 20, 21 to 22. Look at James 1, 22 to 24. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer, is a, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. You see, faith is knowing God's word and doing it. Faith is knowing what God wants you to do and obeying it. If you know God's word and don't do anything about it, don't tell me you are faithful. You're not. And the part that I like the best, which distinguishes the faithful from the unfaithful, is what? In spite of the unfavorable circumstances. Okay? In other words, you know God's word, you will do it in spite of the unfavorable circumstances. Consider, for example, the adverse circumstances Noah faced when he was warned by God. Put yourself in the shoes of Noah when he was warned by God that the flood is coming and that he should make what? A boat, an ark. Building a boat in the middle of dry land when there was no rain and there was, there was no, not even a concept of flood during those times? Tell me, if you were Noah, will you do it? God, boat in the middle of the desert? You gotta be kidding me. Now, if, you, if you're not faithful, if you know God's word, will you obey it? I doubt it. 
But you know, they built the ark just the same. So they obeyed in spite of the adverse circumstances. Say amen to that. Amen. Number two. So big a project for a handful of men. How many were they to build the ark? Eight. How many women? Four. So the men were only four. They were supposed to be the one who was to build the ark. You know how big the ark is? Look at the dimension. Noah's ark, contemporary equivalent. 450 feet. One and a half American football field. Alaki niya na. With 75 feet, seven parking spaces. Pasensya na kayo, nagalaw yung, gumalaw yung, ano eh, gumalaw yung PowerPoint, no? Height, 45 feet, three stories. Cubic feet, 1.5 million cubic feet. 800 railroad boxcars. Laki niyan. Capacity, 14,000 gross tons. Equivalent contemporary, Princess of the Orient. Malaki. Now, if you were Noah, walo lang kayo. Gagawin nyo ba yan? God naman eh. You know? I'll make an ark in the middle of the desert. And how big this ark is, I cannot even imagine. You gotta be kidding me. And God says, make an ark. Now, if you were not faithful, will you do? You were Noah, will you do it? If you're faithful, yes. Because you know who's giving the command. Right? If you believe in God and God knows what he's doing, God is almighty, even though the situation looks impossible for you, you will do it. Wives, respect your husband in everything. Oh, hindi pwede. Hindi pwede. Mahirap yan. Husbands, love your wife unconditionally. Unconditionally. Even if they're not taking yoli. Okay? Unconditionally. Amen. See, see, amen there. What about the mocking and laughing people at the same time? Do you think the people were mocking? Did you know how long the flood came when God gave the command, Noah, build the ark. And then when actually the flood came, do you know how long it was? Huh? Seven days? 130 years. Okay? Can you believe that? You, you know, on the first month, excited, God, oh, there's going to be a flood. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. On the first year, pagod na pagod ka na, you know. God, darating ba yung flood? Tapos may mga tao pa nang gugulo sa'yo. Okay? Okay. Noah, tanga. Noah, tanga. Okay? Noah, tanga. You know, kinakansyawang ka. No? They were mocking him. You know, for 100 years, can you believe that? Those were the adverse circumstances that he was facing. Did he continue to do it? Of course, we know the story. We know the story. He built the ark. They went into the ark. The animals went there. It's a historical fact. But, you know, beyond the historical fact, do you know exactly what happened in between? Was it easy? You know, was it easy to heed God's warning is what I'm saying? No. It requires a lot of faith. And faith means you have to know what God is telling you to do, and you have to believe who's giving the command, and you do it just the same, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Is God giving you commands right now that don't make sense at all? I don't know with you, but God has been giving you a lot of commands that don't make sense. Be humble. Stay humble. The whole world doesn't celebrate humility. The whole world wants you to be proud. The whole world wants you to celebrate, insist on your rights. And here is God telling you, be humble. Give up your rights. Will you do it? If you don't, if you don't believe who's giving that command, you're not going to do it, guys. But if you believe that that command is being, by, being given by God who is the Almighty, and that warning is for you to prevent any disaster from coming into your life, then you will do it faithfully. Faithfully. He kept doing it for over 100 years. How hard was that? <laughs> I cannot even imagine. If I was the one, I would have given up. You know, I would have given up. Thus, Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, according to Genesis 6.22. Was Noah faithful? Yes. Come on, louder, guys. Was Noah faithful? Yes. Why? Because in spite of what he faced, he did what seemingly was impossible to do in the face of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? God said, build an ark. 
God said there will be flood. Flood, ark, in the middle of the desert, people mocking you for a hundred years, he still did it. And he was faithful. The Bible says Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. You know, the Bible in Hebrews calls that what? Faith. By faith, Noah, in Hebrews 11, being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence prepared for an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and he became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Faith. Now, those who did not heed the warning, they all perished. They did not believe. They did not have faith. If you want to be serious about heeding God's warning, you have to understand what faith is. And you have to be faithful. Even if you see that God seems unfair, even if you see that God is treating you not properly, even if you believe that, why did God create earthquakes? Why did God create tsunami? Why did God make me a Filipino? <laughs> I could have been blonde. Come on. You know, in spite of that, trust God because God knows what he's doing. If you do not heed God's warning, be with the guys who perished in the floods. So heed God's warning. Seriously. Seriously heed God's warning. Practice saving faith. Obey all that God commands. Question. That was Noah's time. Today, is God still warning us? Yes. <laughs> God is warning me through my wife. God is warning me through my husband. God is warning me through Pastor Danny. Yes, God is all over the place. Warning us. Showing us that there is danger ahead. The warning then was the flood. What is the warning these present days? Hmm. The day of the Lord. Have you heard of that? You know, one of these days, the day of the Lord will come. And there will be fire from heaven. Everything will burn except the golf clubs. Okay? Yeah. Everything will burn except the golf clubs. They have the Lord and there will be fire. Susan is mad at me already, okay? Then the final one will come when all evildoers will go to eternity hell. Alright? God is still warning us. Hell is true. The day of the Lord is going to come. There's going to be raining. There will be rain of fire coming in the future. Jesus warns about the future judgment in Matthew 24, 38 to 39. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And that they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Ooh. Warning. Second Peter 3, 5-7. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. Look at verse 6. Through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. This was reference to Noah. But by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire. Ooh kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Is that a warning or is that a warning? warning. That's a warning. 11 and 12, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking forward for and hastening the coming day of the Lord? You know, I, I, I got a picture. It's kind of busy. But this will give you a picture of what we're facing. At the top, you will see Noah and the flood. That was the past. And then you have Sodom and Gomorrah. And look at the picture. The picture, people perished, and there was eating, drinking, and marrying. This was, this was the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the present. Luke 17, 26 to 30. You, you, you will see the same thing. 
eating, drinking, marrying, buying, shopping, selling, building, and everything. And then, you know, the end times, the coming of the Son of Man will be the same. They will be eating, drinking, marrying, buying, selling, building. Guys, Ecclesiastes 1.9, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, for there is nothing new under the sun. Folks, what happened in Noah's time is happening now. And if God is good, and if God is just, he's going to punish the ungodly as it continues to unveil its ugly head. But since God is good, he's going to provide for deliverance to people who are righteous. And if we are the righteous, then we have to, we have to heed the warning of God. And it better be, we better be serious about it. Whether you like it or else, the end will come. There will be fire from heaven and the end will come. And this time it's not going to be flood. It's going to be fire. 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 God warns us still today and urge us to repent while we can. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow about His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. What do we do then today to heed God's warning and avoid perishing? This is relevant. I just don't want us to come every Sunday, every Sunday, and wait for the things to end. Guys, just like what God said to Noah, build the ark. How long did he build the ark? If God will tell us to build the ark today and it will, it will come only after 300 years, will you stop building the ark? I think it's about time to take a look at ourselves in a very hard way. Are we really heeding the warning of God? Even if we know that there's going to be an end which is going to be deadly? This time not with floods, but with fire. It was flood then, but the future will look like this, fire. I don't know how it looks. This is just an illustration. But if it's going to be fire from heaven and God will destroy the evil that exists today, I don't like to be there. Do you? I'd like to be somewhere where it's cold. I'd like to be in the mall, okay? Heed God's warning. Like Noah, be faithful. Like Noah, obey all that God commands. If you want to be serious about heeding God's warning and be safe from destruction, be like Noah, be faithful. Faithful? Yeah. We talked about saving faith, right? How can you be faithful? Know God's word. Here in CCF, we are so committed to God's word. You know, the lady who gave me that piece of paper this morning, I said, young lady, if you don't know God's word, you will be deceived. So I ask that you tear up that sheet. That's a lie. But I want you to start attending Bible studies beginning today. Because if you know God's word, then you are doing the first step to become faithful. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't tell me you're faithful if you don't even know your Bible. Well, I'm faithful. I go to church every Sunday. Yeah? That faithfulness? No. The word of God is important. Faith is associated with the word of God. I will not ask for a show of hands. How many of you have read your Bible from cover to cover? Yeah, from Genesis to Revelation. First page, last page. Is that how you do it? You know, seriously, if you don't know God's word, you cannot be faithful because being faithful requires that you know God's word. And then don't stop there. Be a doer of it. Ang hirap, Pastor Danny. 
You don't even know my wife. You don't even know my husband. You don't even know my boss. Oh, you don't even know how to live here in America. You know, we keep giving excuses only because we don't want to obey. But what is the Bible saying? If you want to be faithful, do whatever God tells you to do in spite of the adverse circumstances. So, know God's word in the Bible, then obey them all in spite of. Why? Because if you do, you will become all that God wants you to be. Really? Yeah. If you obey, you will become like his son. That's why here in CCF, we're committed to the Great Commission. We tell people to make disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you will become like Christ. But you cannot become like Christ if you don't obey what God is telling you to obey. And that's why we're saying, know God's word and obey them in spite of the, the circumstances facing you. Because if you do, you will become all that God wants you to be, like his son, Christ-like. You will not be lost nor deceived by the enemy. Because the enemy will just convince you to disobey God's will, to pursue your own will. The enemy wants you to be proud. The, your enemy, the, the enemy, the, uh, Satan wants you to be selfish. But God wants you to be humble, to give up your rights, to obey him. Because proud people will never follow God. Only humble, Christ-like people will obey. I sound like a broken record here. But until we see the simplicity of, his all, of it all, we will never, never become faithful. Pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Which one would you rather go with? I pray that you go with humility and start killing that pride. You know how to kill pride? Obey all. And you'll be able to know what humility means. If you're seated right now and you know God is telling you something, your pastor told you to do this, your D group leader told you to do this, your, your parents told you to do this, and you're not doing it because you think you're right and you think they're wrong, you're proud. And be careful. You're not heeding God's command. Or you're not heeding God's warning. Sorry. Imagine if Oscar did not heed God's word through Pastor Peter. Remember our brother Oscar? How many of you were here? Did you hear his? Uh, yes. Say yes, naman. Say yes, naman. Yes. yes. It's five, five, five. Okay. The other five, five, five is there. September five. Malapit na birthday niya. Can you imagine if Oscar did not heed? God's word through Pastor Peter to honor, respect, love his father, even if the circumstances were not in his favor. Did you hear what he said? Binabali wala na siya ng tati niya. No? He was marginalized. He, he, his, his dad was so lost and did not know what to do that he was just cast aside. And what was he tempted to do? Because of his pride, because of his selfishness, he said, I'll be the parable. Prodigal son pala. Prodigal son. I will claim my, my share of the property and then I will get my money and go. That's what you wanted to do, brother, right? But when Pastor Peter told you no, show them who you are. You're a Christian. What was Pastor Peter saying? Be faithful. Right? Be faithful. You know God's word. What is God's word? Honor your father and your mother that you should live long on this earth. He did not understand it. But because he had a working relationship and a disciple in Pastor Peter, he listened. And because he listened, he heeded God's warning. He was delivered. Not only delivered, he even gained weight. <laughs> five, five, five. Man, I'm telling you, we will never understand the way God works until we obey. Imagine if he rebelled instead of demanded and demanded to be the prodigal Oscar. Oscar will not be the ark. Oscar will not be the ark Oscar you heard today who led his father to Jesus to be saved. Wow. I want you to see what you are forfeiting because you are not faithful 
and because you are not heeding God's warning and heeding God's command. Faith demands that we know and obey what God wants for us. There are so many things that God is telling us to do in the Bible. But there's one thing that's very close to his heart, and that's Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Because discipleship, making disciples, will make us like Jesus. Jesus actually is the ark that saves. Amen? The people in Noah's time, those who entered the ark, eight of them were saved. Those who did not enter the ark perished. In a manner of speaking, Jesus was the ark. And the story of the flood and Noah is what? A foretelling of what salvation will be in Jesus. Become like Jesus. Make disciples. Be disciples. Be discipled, rather, where people will see and have Jesus so that they want to be saved. You, we want to become virtual arcs that will be fireproof, you know? That, that the future will be about fire. It will come, for sure. And you know what we want us to do? We will become virtual arcs, each one of us. Arcs that will be fireproof to avoid the rain of fire in the day of the Lord that can escape the fires of hell. Isn't that great? You know, it's a figure of speech, but I want you to see. Ark where people will see and accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. We need to have that virtual ark where people will see Christ in us and through us. And because of us, they will want Jesus and be saved. God, God is warning us that apart from Jesus, we are lost and we will perish in hell. Because Jesus alone saves. If you're here right now and you don't believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you, well, God is warning you. God is telling you now. Because the God of the universe who made everything says, because Jesus alone saves. If you want to get saved, if you want to avoid the fires of hell, if you want to avoid the day of the Lord pouring upon you, be saved because Jesus alone saved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Believe in Jesus. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only one who can bring you out of hell and into heaven. Jesus is warning you. God is warning you. Acts 4.12 There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. I beg you, heed God's warning. I beg you, God is calling you because sin is already running its course. And if we don't Heed his warning, we are headed into the fire like all of the other people who died in the flood will also die in the fire. But as for us who have Jesus, who believe in Jesus, then we're saved. Enter the only ark named Jesus. Accept him as Lord and Savior to become like him. Right now, I, I, I want to pause again. And I would like you to, to bow your heads and just... just just talk to God. God, I, I want to heed your warning. I don't want to perish. But I really, I really don't understand this Jesus thing. But, but I, I just want to stop right now and, 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 and accept that fact from you because you say that Jesus is the only one that saves. And so, Lord, I'm here right now. I bow my head. And I pray to you, Lord Jesus, you're the ark that saves. I believe in you because you're the only one who can save me from the fires of hell. Save me. I believe you're the only one who can bring me out of this mess that I'm in. I trust you. I heed your warning. Come into my life. I know you're my savior. I know you're my ark. And I don't want to face perdition and be perishing in the day of the Lord or even hell. I trust you by faith. I don't fully understand it right now, Lord. 
but I pray that you have mercy on me. I repent of my sins, and I promise to know your word and obey your word so that I will grow to become like you. Help me. If you pray that prayer, then I think you're on the first road and the first step towards heeding God's warning and being saved. You know, if you take a look at that ark, that ark has a name Jesus there. And all you have to do is to go in there. Jesus saves. Heed his warning. Enter the boat before it's too late. What's the call for us? I'd like to close with this. I would like us to be virtual arcs. Oscar didn't even know that he was the ark. And now he knows. And I want us to see ourselves as virtual arcs that people can enter, quote unquote, to see, to desire, and to have Jesus to be like him. When people see us, what do they see? Do they see the world? Do they see sin? Do they see pride? Or would they see Jesus? We need to become like arcs, virtual arcs. First, it starts with your Christ-like life. You cannot make Jesus be seen in you unless you say, Lord, I want to start with my life. Are you becoming like Christ? If you're, not, if you're not becoming like Christ, then there is something that you need to do. You need to be faithful to obey all. You need to understand what discipleship is. And you need to be discipled to disciple others. After that, you work on your family and your D group. And that's why here in CCF, I really challenge the men. The men who are heads of the families. God is giving you a warning. And that warning is not only for you, but your family. But your family will not be saved unless you make the first step yourself. As the head of the family, you're responsible for the safety of your family. And that safety starts when you become Christ-like yourself to disciple your wife, your family, your children. Because once you do that, your family will become a discipleship group naturally. And I was so glad when Oscar told me that Pastor Peter is now focusing on the family. Because without the family, the church is nothing. The nation is nothing. The world is nothing. Your church. Let's make virtual arcs of our lives. Let's make virtual arcs of our family and our D group. Let's make virtual arcs of our church, CCF, our ecclesia the called out people who are so Christ-like that people would like to come in. And I would like to welcome our visitors who are here for the first time. And I hope that you're beginning to see that we are about Christ-likeness and that's all there is. Because we want you to come and feel part of the salvation that God offers. You're most welcome. We are your family. And we would like to show you how Christ-like we are in the way we live. And then eventually, the CCF movement all over the world. If we can only become arcs in many ways, I really believe we can change the situation in the world. Keep becoming arcs even when you face adverse circumstances as Noah did. Folks, be faithful. Be faithful. Even when the family and the friends that you have ridicule you. Ano ba yan? Bible study ka na lang ng Bible study. Bagot naman tayo. Okay? Mag-shopping naman tayo. No? You know, people will mock you and ridicule you. Really, truly. Don't listen to them. Because what's important is you become Christ-like in your behavior and manner. When the word lures you to give up and you are discouraged, don't keep becoming arcs like Christ, looking like Christ. Make disciples when all else are making money and enjoying the world. That's my challenge to all of us. Because when we do that, we effectively heed God's warning. Then you are serious about God's warning. Then you will obey all that God commands. You will teach others to do the same. 
then you will obey the Great Commission. Then you will make disciples. Then you and your family will be saved and others will be saved. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of the flood. Thank you for its historical fact. And thank you that it's for us to be reminded that people perish without heeding your warnings. Lord, your word is clear. You have spoken. Help us now, Lord, to heed your warning that there is danger coming up, that there's the end of the world, and that there's going to be a fire of hell to those who don't believe and repent of their sinfulness. Father, we just want to thank you that you have made us part of this family, the saved, the called, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And Father, we now want to become arcs in our own special way, arcs in our own life to become Christ-like, arcs in our families. And I challenge the, the men here in this fellowship to initiate, initiate discipling, becoming Christ-like in the family, to model it so that, Lord, truly, our families will change, our church will change, and this world will change. We heed your warning, God, and we don't want to perish, but we want to be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.